Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Educator Essentials, the podcast where we talk with our members about success stories, best practices, and strategies for faculty, preceptors, and those involved in the education of the pharmacy workforce. My name is Jennifer Wisniewski, your moderator today, and I'm an assistant professor at the Medical University of South Carolina College of Pharmacy. Today, we'll be chatting with Dr. Kazu Kiddo, who practices at West Virginia University and specializes in cardiology and advanced heart failure. Dr. Sonia Matthews, who is a clinical pharmacy specialist in critical care at University of Texas Medical Branch and is an adjunct faculty member at the Texas Southern University College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences, and Dr. Bethany Baker, who is the Director of the Clinical Pharmacy Services at the Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City. We'll talk today about peeling back the layers of the layered learning practice model and the benefits and challenges in the layered learning for today's practice. Thanks for joining us today. We'll start with Dr. Kazukido today. Kazu, do you mind to describe your current practice and how many learners that you take on a regular basis? Sure. So my practice site is the Advanced Heart Failure Service, and I work for the inpatient and outpatients. And then since this you know podcast focus on inpatients, so I mainly take the about uh, four to five fourth year pharmacy students, and I take uh, four to five IPP students for my inpatient rotations, and I take the residents two or three residents per year, and then I definitely look forward to discussing the how we incorporate those learners in the same setting. Thank you, Kazu. Sonia, can you tell me about your, a little bit about your practice? Yes, thank you, Jennifer. Um, I'm currently the MICU clinical pharmacy specialist in UTMB Health, and I participate in daily patient care rounds with the medical ICU service. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to preset PGY1, PGY2 residents, fellows, and pharmacy students. I can take up to about three to four API students and two to three pharmacy residents. Thank you, Sonia. Bethany, can you tell us a little bit about your practice? Absolutely. So as the Director of Clinical Pharmacy Services, I oversee the pharmacy clinical activities on the inpatient side for our department, which is about 70 pharmacists over about 400 beds. So I offer a core hospital administrative rotation for our PGY1 residents. And then I also offer electives in leadership for our APPEs and our PGY2 residents. Um, So in any given year, I take about three to four residents, and then I can take anywhere from one to up to six students uh, per year. Thank you. I think I want to move into describing the layered learning model. So how do you define the layered learning model, Sonia? So with the layered learning model, it typically mimics the medical team, which can include uh, senior pharmacists, residents, and students. And the way it's really utilized is, is as a teaching strategy to train residents to mentor and precept other residents and API students with oversight from the senior or practicing pharmacist. Kazu, can you tell us a little bit about how you define the layered learning model? Yes. Yeah, I echo what Sonia said. You know, one thing I would add is the students, you know, also have the different layers as well. So APP students precept the 
IPP students nowadays because of the early experiential education that school coordinates for the first year through the third year students. So that will be also the one the another layer of the you know learners that, that we will coordinate in the inpatient setting. Bethany, as, as an administrator, I'm really interested to hear how you define the layered learning model for your practice. So I definitely uh, agree with the other two as far as the general definition. For me, I really focus on what the baseline knowledge is of the higher level learner, just to make sure that they're able to serve as an educator and have that a bit more autonomy over that lower level learner. And I'm there for oversight, but I really want there to be those different levels of understanding and different roles between the three of us, essentially, for my rotations. Bethany, I want to continue on with you. How have you incorporated the layered learning model into your practice? So as you mentioned, administrative rotations can be a little tricky to standardize, and that is also true for the layered learning models. I feel like for my rotations, it is most successful when I use a PGY2 APPE learning model and a PGY1 APPE student learning model. So those are the two that you would be most likely to see on all of the rotations that I offer. Uh, so how have you incorporated the layered learning model into your practice? Yes. So I agree with the Bethany. Usually like PGY2 and APP students or PGY1 APP students. And also, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning that, you know, another layer, so PGY1 or PGY2, and then also the APP students and also IPP students, usually like three layers. Uh, it's very rare that, you know, having the PGY1, PGY2 student at the same time, but, uh, you know, my practice sites, you know, I try to incorporate the red and then then two layer of the student learners APP IPPEs and then that's the kind of three layers and then I as a attending pharmacist oversee the activity for these three layers of the learners so that's how I incorporate to maximize and then efficiently practice pharmacy in the practice in the practice site Bethany, can you tell me a little bit about how you use the layered learning model in your practice and you have any differences from the Bethany and Kazu. Thank you, Jennifer. For me, when I've had the opportunity to precept different learners, such as um, APPY, APPY students, PGY1 and PGY2 residents, the approach that I typically take is I use both a pharmacy resident and a student syllabus um, as part of the orientation to really define the expectations of all the learners at the beginning of the rotation. Um, I also take the opportunity um, for the pharmacy resident to have an active role in mentoring and precepting the student. So I include them in establishing expectations for the pharmacy student. They have a hands-on approach in making the student calendar prior to the rotation. And I also involve them in providing and evaluating the student's clinical progress and, and providing feedback to the student with me overseeing it. Also in the beginning of the rotation, typically what I'll do when I have pharmacy residents and students with me on site is I will initially round with them with the medical service and so that they can kind of see how I as a preceptor um, round with the team, prepare for patients and interact with the team. And really depending on where the pharmacy resident is, whether they're at the beginning of the residency or at the end, and also depending on the previous experiences that the residency have, 
Once I feel comfortable with the resident's performance, then I will transition the pharmacy resident to independently round with the critical care team and oversee um, the pharmacy student's direct patient care uh, contribution and rounds. I also have the pharmacy residents take the lead uh, in our afternoon topic discussions and then be involved uh, with the pharmacy resident asking questions. And what I do is I usually have uh, the pharmacy resident ask at least three questions for the pharmacy student to look at. And also at the same time, I really like the pharmacy student to be involved and to ask questions. So I have them also ask at least three questions as well, whether it's on patients or in our topic discussion. Thank you, Sonia. That's a really, I think, an interesting description of ways that you're able to utilize all the learners that come on your rotation. And it sounds challenging to incorporate that. So what what challenges have you found in utilizing this layered learning model in your practice? So I think one uh, one of the big challenges that I face is basically just the scheduling complexity of having uh, multiple trainees, um, PGY-1, PGY-2, and pharmacy students. So at our institution, we take pharmacy students from several colleges of pharmacy in Texas and then trying to coordinate that with the PGY-1 resident um, schedule and the PGY-2 resident schedule. Tazu, can you speak to what challenges that you found in utilizing this model in your practice? Yes, absolutely. You know, I agree with that, Sonia, that regarding scheduling, complexity is definitely one of them. And then the other thing I can think of is definitely the comfort level, you know, of the residents for precepting students. So definitely that, you know, each resident has different interest in the precepting. So knowing the baseline uh, knowledge and the skills of the precepting is very important because the, some residents are interested in uh, becoming preceptors in academic centers or even like trying to become the uh, clinical faculty and focusing on the teaching aspect versus the, you know, some residents may have the less interest in the precepting. So knowing the baseline, the precepting the comfort level is very important as a attending pharmacist to kind of gauge and individualize the, how we should you know, balance the support and the autonomy you know, for the practice sites and then, then eventually transition to the residents you know, for more autonomy. But the transition phase varies based on how the progression of the resident precepting skill goals. So definitely the baseline assessment of the resident precepting skill is very important. And Bethany, what challenges do you find from the administrative perspective in utilizing this in your practice? With my rotation, it can be a bit unpredictable just due to the nature of my role. And so that really affects my ability to find experiences for residents to serve as a preceptor for a student in situations where it could be the first time that either of them are actually getting exposure to a situation. Things like if regulatory bodies are coming for an unannounced visit or certain HR scenarios, things like that. Another thing is while I have not done a PGY-1, PGY-2 layered learning model on my rotation, I have helped advise others and we have done PGY-1 and PGY-2 uh, layered learning models here at my hospital. And so 
I find that one to be the trickiest of the models. And that's especially true for, in, in my opinion, smaller residency programs where the residents may have a closer relationship with one another versus a larger program where the PGY1s may not know the PGY2s as well. And so in those situations, we sometimes find that the PGY1 has trouble seeing the PGY2 as a formal educator, and that just adds an extra layer of difficulty for the preceptor. So I think some of the challenges that you guys identified were scheduling, the timing, determining the baseline knowledge and the, the desire of the learner, finding some opportunities to precept. Some of the things that I found in my experiences are just a busy day and it's really hard to balance all of those responsibilities and overseeing those folks. So how do you guys overcome these, these obstacles? And Bethany, do you mind to, to speak first to tell us how you overcome these obstacles? Yeah, sure. So sometimes I have to accept that both learners will be serving in a learning role to start out, and that's totally okay. If the situation is less time sensitive, what I prefer to do is brief the resident first on a topic and then give them time to get up to speed on their own before I then ask them to educate or supervise the student. Example is if the Joint Commission shows up and we're going around the hospital doing med room checks, you know, I will walk the resident through, um, show them how it's done first, have them ask me any questions, teach back method, and then I will release them to go then train and supervise the student on additional med rooms. So it's in these situations, it's really important to give them an opportunity to ask me questions before providing that education, both to make sure that they have a good understanding of the topic, but also to help them feel confident about teaching something they've just learned. With the PGY1 and PGY2 layered learning model, I think it's really important to set expectations and build confidence, um, especially for the PGY2 resident early on. Those are two strategies I've seen to be helpful. It's really important for the preceptor to trust the PGY2 and to make that trust known. At my hospital, at least, we generally don't have a resident serve as a preceptor on a rotation that they haven't previously gone on before. And that really helps them build that confidence before they serve in that preceptor role. So, you know, if the PGY1 senses that the preceptor doubts the PGY2, that can affect the level of respect, you know, the PGY1 has for the other resident, understandably. And treating the PGY2 more as a colleague in the presence of the PGY1 can sometimes be a good mindset to have. That's not to say you can't correct a PGY2 resident, but it's kind of like, would you prefer to call out a colleague in front of someone they're teaching or do it behind close doors and let them correct themselves on their own. Um, one method certainly builds more confidence and accountability than the other. Um, and then lastly, checking in with both residents frequently at first is really helpful to detect problems quickly and just make sure everybody stays on the same page throughout the rotation. Razu, can you let us know how you've overcome the obstacles that you've encountered in using the layered learning model in your practice? Sure. And I agree with the Bethany, and especially the setting the clear expectations and the realistic expectation for residents and students are really, really important. And then related to the challenges that I had and discussed, you know, definitely two things I 
incorporated and that was successful. The one was the baseline assessment survey. So I always send the uh, baseline assessment survey, including the you know residents' comfort level of the precepting in advance a couple of weeks prior to the rotation starts, and engaging the you know their interest and also career goal up front. And then then you know knowing those helps that how we can schedule the five week rotations, and that helps a lot. And then the other thing was definitely the making the relevance to the resident career goal helps and also have them understand why this layer learning model is beneficial, like emphasizing the benefits of doing it. So if they know the benefits of doing that and they understand and they kind of try to incorporate learners more. And then for example, like admission med rec and also like a discharge pharmacy counseling, you know, the residents start understanding incorporating students into their practice helps them you know, have the residents free, you know, have the free up time and then they focus on the other complex patient care issues. And also at the same time that they can delegate some of the work to students and they work together as a team. And then, then you know, throughout the process, the you know, residents can, you know, understand more about benefits of the layer learning models in their practice. So. Thanks, Kazu. I do think you pointed out many beneficial aspects of the layered learning model. So thank you for that. Sonia, can you let us know how you overcome the obstacles that you've encountered? Thank you, Jennifer. Yes, now I absolutely agree with Kazu and Bethany about what they said about as far as like setting clear expectations. Typically, you know, what I do is I, I do provide symbols for the student and also the pharmacy resident, but I also want to tailor this, the rotation to meet their needs and their potential growth and um, have them do um, their goals for the rotation and also what they would like to get out of the rotation um, at the beginning of the rotation. But yes, uh, definitely scheduling can be a challenge as well. And what we've done is we've actually centralized um, the scheduling in our um, institution. So with pharmacy student rotation, we plan that basically it's assigned a year in advance. And generally what I've seen with PGY1 and PGY2 residents is that they're excited to have the opportunity to mentor and train pharmacy students. And what the pharmacy residency directors are really good about doing is as far as coordinating it with the centralized student schedule to have the resident, if this rotation is like the critical care, for instance, is their area of interest to coordinate having a pharmacy resident and pharmacy student at the same time so that they can have that exposure and learning opportunity and also help provide training for them as future practitioners and, and mentoring and training the next generation. So it sounds like the layered learning practice model is really beneficial for learners and hospitals and Patients, And we're hopeful that many preceptors are interested in incorporating the layered learning model into their practice after listening to the podcast today. Sonia, can you give us some suggestions that you would have for those who are looking to incorporate the layered learning model into their practice? Great. Yes, absolutely. Uh, There's some great resources that are available that I've found very helpful, just even uh, within the American Society of Health System Pharmacists. Um, we have the preceptor toolkit, which I've shared with uh, new preceptors. Um, also, American Society of Health System Pharmacists has a pharmacist teaching certificate program for pharmacists. Bethany, what suggestions do you have for those that would like to incorporate this model into their practice? I love Sonia's mentioning of the preceptor toolkit. Highly recommend that as a resource. You know, I think 
in general, being transparent and asking honest questions just to figure out works what works best for you and your learners to start out can be very helpful. Um, if something isn't working, the best way to find out is to just establish that open and honest dialogue and with all parties involved, especially when you're just developing that model. And looking at the layered learning model as an open-minded learner yourself, I think helps you adapt quicker in general to something that works. And it's also completely okay if something doesn't work for you and your model that has worked for your colleagues. I, I don't think there is a, a formal template. It is definitely an art, not a science. Bethany, I love your mention of being an open-minded learner and the adaptability that requires just continuing to self-reflect and try to improve your practice and improve the experience for your learners. Kazu, what suggestions do you have? Yes. So, you know, I totally agree with the Sonia's and then the Bethany. And then, you know, I agree that flexibility is really key parts, you know, the day by day, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the patient care field. So definitely flexibility is another key point. But, you know, my suggestion would be that, you know, getting the enough support from the organ, you know, health system and also the schools, you know, when the, those models are incorporated because that, you know, this needs a lot of the coordinations and including the coordination from the school and the coordination from the administrative team. And I would definitely recommend that uh, just working with those the administrative team and also schools up front and then they're understanding their expectations and then utilizing that you know layer learning you know be helpful and then how this model will be helpful to achieve the health system goals like for example that if the you know hospital is looking at the metrics of the completing the med home med rec by pharmacist you know having the pharmacist extenders helps improve that number so i think that you know having that incentives up front will be very helpful. So I would say that clear communication with those people will be very beneficial. Well, that's all the time that we have today. I want to thank Kazu, Sonia, and Bethany for joining us today to discuss peeling about the layers of the layered learning practice model and inpatient perspective. I appreciate all of your suggestions and your thoughtful approaches to our conversation today. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out the ASHP's educator resources. You can find member exclusive offerings such as the Preceptor Toolkit, the Research Resource Center, and exchange ideas with your peers on the ASHP Education Connect community. Thanks again for tuning in for this session of Educator Essentials, and we hope you have enjoyed today's conversation. And be sure to subscribe to the ASHP podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.